Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7. I hope to uh, conclude our look at the Sermon on the Mount in our lesson this evening. Um, we have been making our way through uh, in these lessons. And what we, ha we have focused on, uh, the subtitle of our our studies here is the lessons on the kingdom of heaven. And um, we are going to wrap up tonight looking at the last section um, of the sermon. And that is chapter 7, verses 13 through 29. And that is a plea to enter the kingdom. Um, the three major divisions, of course, we've talked about the citizenship of the kingdom. Uh, we talked about the righteousness within the kingdom. And now that our Lord has laid that out, um, the final uh, part of this great sermon is that our Lord is going to plea um, for people to enter into that kingdom. And so we come to chapter 7, verse 13, where our Lord says to enter by the narrow gate. And so uh, he has laid out his case for righteousness, and now he is pleading uh, with the hearers to indeed enter into that kingdom. So that's what we will look at tonight, the plea to enter into the kingdom from chapter 7, uh, verse 13, through the end of the chapter. Um, as I was studying and putting this together, I, I recognize there's a pattern in, in these last few verses, and, and there, there's a pattern of twos. So we're going to look at several of the twos um, that are mentioned here, and you'll see what I'm, I'm talking about here in just a moment. Um, as the Lord is laying out the plea to enter into the kingdom, uh, he's going to make some, some arguments about why to enter in the kingdom, the contrast of the, the straight and narrow way versus the wide way. Uh, he's going to make some um, uh, references to false teachers um, and so on and so forth. But there's a group of twos in here. And the first one is indeed those two gates. So let's read verses 13 and 14, and we'll see that there are two gates that our Lord speaks of here. Chapter 7, verse 13, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. So here we have a contrasting of two gates. And we have the gates that, uh, we have a wide gate, and we have a small gate or a narrow gate. Um, so we'll look at these side by side as we'll do each one, of these, each one of these. So what's said about the wide gate? Well, it's said that there, um, the gate is indeed wide, uh, and the way that it leads there is broad. That's telling us that there's... Uh, uh, and what our Lord's going to go on to tell us is there's a lot of people that can go through this gate. That the way, is, the, the, the way is broad, the gate is wide, and there's a lot of people that will go through it, through it as such. The sad part about that is, even though there's a lot of people going through that gate and along that way, the sad part is that that's the way that leads to destruction. And the other sad part about it is, and what our Lord says, is there, that there are many who enter into that wide gate. Uh, 
you know, that's a, um, a sad reality. And especially when we look around in the world and understand just how few people uh, there are who enter into that small gate. Um, but this is the way that it is. Uh, it doesn't give us um, opportunity to uh, dismiss and slack off in our uh, duties as a Christian. We still have to get out there and encourage those people to come, to be a part of the kingdom. But the reality is this. The reality is there are many who enter into that wide gate that leads to destruction. The other gate, the small and narrow gate, is um, just that. The gate is small and the way is narrow. There's a lot to be said about that. We, we talk often about the straight and narrow way, don't we? Um, about staying on that path. And uh, there's a lot to be said about that. There's a lot to be said about uh, a Christian walking that path needs to stay on that straight and narrow path. It means that we need to make sure that we're not um, being led astray, that we're not falling off that path, that we're not letting the world uh, make us deviate from that path. The great thing about this way is that it leads to life. The wide uh, way, the, the broad way, leads to destruction. But that straight and narrow way is the way that leads to life. And as a Christian, that's the way that we need to be walking. Through that small gate, along that narrow way. And this is the other sad reality about um, these two gates. Just as there are many uh, of those who will find um, the broad way, the wide gate, there's only a few that will find the narrow way in that small gate. And again, that's a sad reality. It's sobering. And as we look around and see um, how few we are tonight, we understand that that's a reality in this world. That and not just uh, speaking of people who aren't here uh, um, who might otherwise be here, but just this church in this community, think about how, how few people attend here regularly. We're in, inside a community where many could be here, but instead there are only a few. Those are the two gates that our Lord speaks of. Next he's going to talk about two fruits. Um, let's look in verse 15 as we begin this, and we'll read through to verse 20, and we'll come back and make some points here. Verse 15 says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. And good tree, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. So before we get to contrasting the, the two fruits, there's something here that we need to talk about in verse 15. Our Lord says to beware of false prophets. False prophets, false teachers, antichrist, all these are terms that 
uh, are used to talk about people who are trying to beset the will of God, who are trying to bring in false doctrine, um, to try to lead others astray, trying to lead them off that straight and narrow path. But our Lord says to beware, and this is picked up throughout the writings in the New Testament. Paul talks about it when he talks to the Ephesian elders there in Acts chapter 20. When he calls them to, to, them, uh, to him, and he t- uses some very same language here about wolves in sheep's clothing. Beware. They come to you as wolves in sheep's clothing. And not only that, but our Lord says that they're ravenous wolves. So it's not just that, you know, you know we think about wolves as being those predators that, that come in and, and steal sheep. Especially this will be very important to the people of this time period. Not just wolves, but ravenous wolves. They're hungry for uh, this uh, leading of people astray, for the sheep that they can steal. They're hungry for it. So our Lord says to be careful, of, to be wary of them. Uh, they come to you looking like anybody else. Wolves in sheep's clothing. We use that term a lot. They might look like others, but we'll know them by their fruits. And that's what he's going to talk about next, is that they may seem like anybody else, may have the appearance of anybody else, but there's something about them that we can understand that they're not. They're trying to lead us astray. And that's when we talk about the fruits that they produce. If you come down to verse 16, it says, you will know them by their fruits. In other words, you're not going to necessarily know them by their appearance because On the outside, they look like sheep. But inwardly, there's the ravenous wolf part. And our Lord says that you're going to know them by their fruits. And he comes down to verse 20 and says the same thing. So then, you will know them by their fruits. In other words, you will know them by the things that they say. By the the fruits that they produce. uh, The things in their lives. um, What they might... um, see what you might see in their life so that you're not seeing um, the inward parts of them but the outward parts you see what they produce and that's what our lord is saying here and that's he says is how you will know them he says you will know them by their fruits and he goes on to talk about here's our, our two fruits uh, comparison here there's good fruit and bad fruit on the good fruit side our lord says grapes are not uh, did not come from thorn bushes, nor fig, fig from thistles. In other words, you expect uh, the good trees to produce the good fruit, and that's what he's going to say here in just a moment. Uh, but you don't expect um, good fruit to come from bad trees. You don't expect grapes to come from thorn bushes or figs to come from, from thistles. To where there is an expectation when you see... Um, the, the, the bad tree, and we can, we can recognize those, and we recognize those and understand that the good fruit's not going to come from them. So there is a recognition that we can see, and we understand that the good fruit's not going to come from those. Um, we understand that the good fruit is born from good trees. And this is, in our understanding, we know about this, what, what it takes to maintain a good tree. Um, we carry that analogy forward. Uh, the tending to the tree, um, making sure it's properly watered and nourished, that's going to produce the good fruit. It's not going to, uh, the good fruit's not going to come from bad trees. 
We know the production of, of each of us uh, is going to be a certain way. The good fruit from the good trees, the bad fruit from the bad trees. The other side of this, the bad fruit. The bad fruit's born from bad trees. And it does not come from good trees. So we can't expect um, the bad trees to produce good fruit. What does that mean? It means that those who are not living a righteous life to God, we don't expect to have good things come from them. The good fruit's going to come from those who are tending to that tree, to making sure it's properly nourished and cared for. And the good fruits are the, the fruits of our labors, the things that we do, our service to God. And those are the things that are going to come from the good tree. Something else in this that we want to make sure we understand. Verse 19 says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So, the good fruit is expected to come from good trees. You know, there's the level of expectation. We've talked a lot about uh, a certain level of righteousness that our Lord um, is expected of us. And right here he reaffirms that by saying that every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. We may be that good tree. We may be um, of that good stock. But if you're not being useful, then the analogy is that you're cut down and thrown into the fire. What does that tell us as Christians? It tells us that we need to be producing. That we need to take the, the preparation and and all the things that we do to tend the tree and then produce the fruit. And the fruit is our righteous service to God. So we need to make sure that we are doing that. Usefulness in the kingdom is expected. We talked about the salt and the light in chapter 5. About how the salt, if it's lost its taste, is, is thrown out into the road. And we talked, our Lord talks about how you don't light a, um, a candle and put it under a basket. Usefulness is expected. So that's reaffirmed here when our Lord is talking about these fruits, that we need to be producing good fruit. The next group of twos are the two groups. Let's pick up back up in our reading here in verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Perform many miracles? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So in this example, we have two groups. We have one group that do the will of the Father. And then on the other side, we have those who practice lawlessness. There's some similarities in these groups. Those who do the will of the Father say, Lord, Lord, calling on the Lord, recognizing who he is, recognizing that he is to be called Lord, and we are to be in service to him. And these, our Lord says, are the ones who will enter the kingdom. The ones who do the will of the Father. Recognizing who God is, recognizing who Jesus our Lord is, and doing the will of the Father, 
Those are the ones who will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now on the other side, those who practice lawlessness, they call on the Lord in the same way, saying, Lord, Lord. And they go on to say, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we perform miracles in your name? And what does Jesus say to them? He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference between these two? There obviously is. And our Lord is saying that you have to do the will of the Father. You might prophesy in the Lord's name. You might cast out demons or perform miracles. You might be doing some work that you might say this in the name of the Lord. But the distinction is those who do the will of my Father. So these on this side, even though they, they are claiming that they're doing things in the name of the Lord, they're obviously not in accordance with God's will. Because he says of them, depart from me, those who pra- you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. You might be doing these things in my name, but you're practicing lawlessness. You're not doing them according to the will of God. Finally, in this uh, group of twos, we have two foundations that our Lord speaks of here in verses 24 through 27. Let's read that. Beginning verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to, may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew. And burst against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and burst against, that, burst against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So here we have two foundations. We have a foundation of rock and a foundation of sand. And we have two men that are building upon each of those foundations. The one who built on the, built on the rock is, is called the wise man. This is, the one, this is where he built his house, on the rock, and he's called wise. Um, and our Lord says that the rains and the flood and the winds came against it, but the house withstood it, and it did not fall. And why is that? It did not fall, end of verse 25, for it had been founded upon the rock. We've been talking in our uh, Peter class on Sunday mornings about Jesus being that cornerstone, being that rock. And we talked about how everything grows from that foundation. So if you're going to build a kingdom, as as our God did, he founded it upon the chief cornerstone, that is Jesus Christ. And that building that he is building then grows from that firm foundation. Similar here, the Lord is saying that there's a wise man who builds his house on the rock, builds it with a sturdy foundation. And that house, even though the things of the world came against it, it did not fall because it was built on a solid foundation. And these are said to be those who hear my words and act upon them. We're going to notice a similarity in this in just a moment. Those who hear my words, so we hear the word of God, and then we act upon it. 
And that is so um, important in the life of a Christian. Not just hearing the word of God, but acting upon it. We're going to see the contrast of that in just a moment. What about that one who built his house on the sand? Jesus says that's a foolish man. It's foolish to build your house on the sand. Because the same elements that came against the house on the rock come against the house on the sand. The, the rain and the flood and the winds. They burst upon that same house. But the difference here is this house fell. And our Lord says, and great was its fall. We understand this. We understand that if you don't build something on a solid foundation and something comes along, uh, some kind of uh, turmoil, that it's going to crumble. It's going to fall down and great will be its fall. Now notice the similarity between these two. Those who hear my words is the same as what's said of those who built their house on the rock. Those who hear my words. But notice the difference. And do not act upon them. You know, it's one thing that um, we talk about, you know, people in the world not hearing the word of God. There's a lot of people who have heard the word of God. If you go out into the world and, and talk about Jesus Christ, I mean, we see this in our everyday life. The, the checkout person at Publix or uh, you know, something along those lines, people we have, might have encounters with. Most every one of them has heard of Jesus Christ. It's the acting upon it. That's the important thing. Yes, hearing that word of God is so very important, and it starts, it begins our faith. But we have to act on it. There's something that we have to do as a reason uh, in response to the word that we have heard. And so they might uh, be that one who has heard the words, and they've built their house, but because they didn't act on the words that they heard, the meaning of those words, their house is going to fall. And when we talk about great is its fall, we talk about someone losing their eternal soul. As a result, look at verse 28 and verse 29. After our Lord continue, uh, concludes speaking, Matthew records here, he says, The result was that when Jesus had finished these words, the multitudes were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Take you into the, into the moment here for just a minute. Um, think about hearing what our Lord has just said. Going back to chapter 5, beginning with the Beatitudes. And we're going to recap that in just a moment, but think about what our Lord has just put forth. Think about if you were in that audience. It says that they were amazed. They were amazed. Why? Because he taught with authority and not like their scribes. And we talked about um, the scribes and the Pharisees and Jesus' rebuke of them. And he will continue to rebuke them throughout his ministry. Remember, the scribes were the ones that, that wrote down the word of God and they taught as well because they were looked upon as, as having authority because they knew the scriptures. It was their job to copy down the scriptures. 
Yet the people recognized that Jesus is not like them. They were amazed. Why? Because he taught with authority. Not as the scribes did, but with authority. Think about the audience here and hearing the things that that our Lord has said. And it goes back to to thinking about a few of these things uh, in in what we have learned. Go back to chapter 5 and just kind of page through with me in these. Think about what we have learned in, in our study. Starts with the beatitude, the blessed state of those who serve to seek God. Our Lord says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we use that kingdom of heaven to, to frame the, our, our whole study here and, and what our Lord is speaking. And our, our Lord is saying things that they're probably contrary to what they might think. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, blessed are those who are hungry. Our Lord is turning them from physical things to to spiritual things. And letting them see that the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who thirst for knowledge. Those who are meek and lowly. Those who are poor in spirit. And then Jesus talks about being useful. Using the example of salt and light. That there's a usefulness that comes with being a citizen of the kingdom. That you're expected to do the work in the kingdom. And he goes on to tell them in verse 20 there that their righteousness, in verse 20 of chapter 5, needed to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And if it doesn't, what does he say? You shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. So these scribes and Pharisees, these that are, that are held up to this high standard, Jesus says, your righteousness has to exceed them if you want to be in the kingdom. He goes on to tell us in chapter 6, after he comes out of the end of chapter 5, explaining in more detail and, and, and a better understanding of some of the things that they had heard over the years coming out of the old law. He tells them in chapter 6 about how then to put that righteousness into practice. And he says it's to be practiced to be pleasing to God and not pleasing to man. So the things that we do in giving alms and praying uh, and fasting need to be done in such a way that they bring honor and glory to God. And God will be the rewarder of those who do those things in secret. To do those things between them and their God. Towards the end of chapter 6, our Lord talks about seeking first the kingdom of God. That there's many anxieties in the world and and things that people uh, concern themselves with. What shall I eat? What shall I wear? And Jesus says to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. If you put your priorities um, in the right priority, then these things will be added to you. You don't have to worry about these things. You don't have to be anxious for tomorrow. God will take care of you. He goes then in the first part of chapter 7 and talking about judging properly. That there's a right way and a wrong way to judge. And mainly that comes down to verse 12. Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them, for this is the law and the prophets. Judging is okay if you do it properly. If you do it as a righteous judgment. And that means holding people up to the standard that God has put forth. Not what we as 
people of this world put forth, but what God has put forth. That's a righteous and proper judgment. And you treat people how you want to be treated is what that comes down to. And then as we just talked about tonight, there's the plea to enter into the kingdom. He's laid all this out. He's talked about the righteousness um, that those in the kingdom should have, the level of righteousness, and practicing that righteousness, and and seeking God, and, and treating others appropriately. And how does he conclude it? By saying, come into the kingdom. Enter into the kingdom. Be a part. Understand the rules of the kingdom. You've got to produce the fruit. You've got to stay on the, the narrow path. It all comes from building that house on the rock, on that good foundation. I hope this series has been encouraging to you. Um, wonderful, beautiful message that our Lord delivers. If we think about um, the, the words that our Lord uses, the topics that he addresses, we can see why the people were amazed at this, at what they just heard. And we continue to be amazed by it, even all the way down to tonight, to this day. We're still amazed by what our Lord has put forth. I encourage you to keep this, um, keep this marked in your Bible. Come back to it often. See what our Lord says about righteousness in the kingdom. And always remember that he is always there to invite us to come into that kingdom. And let's share that message with others as we have opportunity. Hope this has been encouraging to you. We have um, a song for the end of our time. Number 19. Heavenly Sunlight. It's been a good day. We have uh, had the opportunity to gather together and to worship our God on this first day of the week. And we close out uh, our time together thinking about this heavenly sunlight, the glory that is the shining light of our God. If you have needs that the congregation can help you with, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.